in, in most cases in Virginia, the close price is still higher than it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, we're seeing list prices kind of get recalibrated to where um, buyers are in the market. Um, but a, a list price being cut is not the same as a closed price closing lower than a year ago. So that's a very important distinction when we think about the stability of prices in the market. So I'm really excited today for our episode on Entrepreneurial Impact. I'm Joe Martin, one of your hosts, and I have the pleasure today of hosting Ryan Price, the Chief Economist for Virginia Association of Realtors. I think with the just some of the change in the economy and where the Fed is going with things, I thought it was really awesome to be able to bring him on to really go through the top three things that our agents and entrepreneurs that are selling homes should really be thinking about in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So uh, Ryan, like you're on today, I, I put you on the spot, like what, what are these what do our agency know about what's going on in the market, the economy? Like, drop it on them. Well, first of all, Joe, thanks for having me on. Uh, really happy to be here. You know, I think that there is a lot on uh, people's minds right now in terms of the economy, how it's impacting the housing market here in Virginia. You know, there's a lot to unpack here, but I think one of the key things to really keep an eye on, and, you know, we're hearing about this in the news all the time. We're feeling it at the pump. We're feeling it at the grocery store. It's really inflation. Right. We want to keep an eye on inflation. You know, we know it's it's been high now for above the target level now for going on a year. Um, and it's been creeping up. It's been lingering at a 40 year high. And so that inflation metric is really going to drive um, a lot of the conversation about what the Federal Reserve is going to do in terms of their po monetary policy. Um, you know, it's been lingering higher than they anticipated, even with these aggressive uh, interest rate hikes that, that we've been hearing in the news and feeling. So I think inflation is probably a big one to monitor. Uh, another one, you know, heading into the winter market um, and into the, you know, into the spring next year is really a cool down in sales activity. Um, reason being, you know, as interest rates have gone up, it's really kind of reduced the purchasing power of buyers that are out there. And so I think the second thing would be fewer sales activity uh, going into the next year. And then the, the final thing that I would keep an eye on are price points. We know that the, the price points have uh, continued to rise, even though we've had a big slowdown, Joe, in sales. I mean, it's been all over Virginia, but the prices continue to go up. And the reason that's happening is because of the low supply that's out there, the low number of active listings. So I think the three things are really inflation. Keep an eye on that. Um, sales activity cooling down. And then prices uh, continuing to climb, but maybe not as a, as a fast clip as they have been so far in 22. So I love that you hit on the inflation piece because I feel like every time I wake up and CNBC, I, I hear inflation this, inflation that, and then they go into CPI and core CPI and all these different things. I think it'd be really helpful. I mean, CPI is consumer price index. And that's actually what's in inflation is actually impacting the affordability and the price points of normal consumption. So would you be able to just define when the government comes out and says, oh, CPI is at this, CPI right. and core CPI are different things because it actually brings in like consumables, right? So could you define right. that for everybody and how inflation impacts purchasing power? Certainly. Yeah, there's a, you, we hear about CPI all the time and really what it's measuring, you know, we hear CPI came in at 8.3%, for example. This was the latest data that we had from August. And so what that means is that in general, 
goods and services, um, consumable products, durable goods, non-durable goods, everything is costing on average 8.3% higher than it was a year ago. So that's the general top line number. But as you alluded to, there's really a lot more to this um, and things that the Fed looks at very closely. And so when you break it down into what's known as core inflation, uh, they, these this is the inflation that measures things excluding the more volatile parts of the economy. So things like energy prices, uh, things like food prices, those are removed from the core inflation uh, calculation because they're so volatile, because they're traded uh, commodities. So when you get to the core inflation, you're really looking at what how are the prices of goods and services uh, going up or going down? And so the core inflation is really something that the Federal Reserve watches a little bit closer than the, the top line inflation number. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of things in this. You know, energy prices are up about 24 uh, percent. This is as of August, 24 percent. That includes gasoline. Mm -hmm. I know everybody's feeling it with vehicles, new and used. You know, they're up uh, about 7 percent, 10 percent, respectively groceries, eating out, everything's up. But I will say that as we looked at the August data, um, a little bit of good news for folks is that, you know, that energy, that energy number has gone down significantly uh, and just since May, right? So in May, the energy number was up uh, about 43%. And then by August, it was down to 23% higher. And so we have seen some improvement in, in components of the inflation number. But really, it's that core inflation that uh, the Federal Reserve is focusing on. Yeah, I think it's good for everyone to understand that because, like, when you hear like inflation's up at eight point three percent, you're kind of like, okay, everyone's telling me inflation, and not really sure that shows up. So when you get into like core CPI, it takes out energy. But for those of you tuning in, like, but your customer is still paying for energy. They got to put gas in the car. They got to heat the house. They got to do all these other things that have to do with like even food pricing. When you get into wheat and bread and those staples. So your purchasing power is actually going down with the inflation because mm -hmm. these are actually core consumable goods. It's not like something else is increasing that you're not consuming. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's important for people to understand that their consumer base is being impacted by that and more of their dollars in their bank account are going towards just operating their normal life. That's right. I mean, it's certainly impacting not just, you know, the, the for sale market impacting renters. Pretty much every household is feeling the pinch here with the uh, household budgets. And this is certainly, um, you know, deterring some from making big, big purchases like a home, uh, you know, com compounding this uh, inflation is that we have, you know, higher mortgage interest rates now. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about just the purchasing power of buyers out there, um, you know, it's much lower than it was say just a year ago when we're looking at housing prices. And so, I think these two things, uh, you know, together, the the kind of the household expenditures plus the, you know, the home purchasing power going down is really cooling down the market. And we've, we've seen pretty, pretty big drop in activity um, so far in 22. Makes sense. And then when you couple like the buying power going down, and you also then say the unit turnover, like in your second point of, to look at is like the unit turnover of like houses on the list and buy side. They're just going down. What do you attribute that to? Is it because people are locked in at like a 2.75% interest rate and they're like, hey, I'm not moving. Like I'm not going to a 7%. Is it that, like, what do you attribute the unit sales not tracking, you know, since uh, compared to the past like two years with COVID? Well, yeah, I think it's, uh, you touched on one of the factors and that is that 
folks uh, who bought, you know, in 2020 and 2021 or refinanced in those years, they are kind of locked into a very attractive interest rate. And, uh, you know, that's going to deter a lot of folks, not everybody, you know, there's people that need to move uh, regardless of what's going on. But uh, it is certainly keeping some people in their homes. Another problem is that even if, uh, you know, we think about move up buyers, even if they wanted to sell their home and move up, you know, there's not a lot of inventory out there Mm -hmm. that they can move into. And so a lot of people are opting, you know, we saw this during uh, 21, um, pretty big remodel boom during that time period. And so folks, instead of looking for a new home, you know, they were remodeling uh, and making their existing home work for them. So I think those are two factors. And then another is there's just a lot less, uh, there's a cooling of demand out there. And so um, some sellers, I think, are starting to get spooked by that mm-hmm. and uh, potentially could be hitting pause until a little more activity uh, is, is out there in the market. You know, homes are are still, it's very competitive, but homes are sitting on the market a little bit longer in some communities than they had uh, in the past. And so, you know, we've been seeing some listing, listing prices fall, uh, you know, getting cut. Uh, to lower levels. But I think the important thing to keep in mind, though, when we start seeing listing prices get cut, um, it's really important to to focus on the closed price. So when we look at the closed price compared to the the closed price a year ago, in in most cases in Virginia, the closed price is still higher than it was a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, we're seeing list prices kind of get recalibrated to where um, buyers are in the market. Um, But a, a list price being cut is not the same as a closed price closing lower than a year ago. And so that's a very important distinction when we think about the stability of prices in the market. So I'm big on, you know, there's some piece within all this to say like, hey, all these negative indicators you got, like (laughs) everything is like scaring. And I'm not a big fan of like being chicken little. Like, okay, I'm aware of the surroundings that I'm in. I understand the the, the landscape, but what do I got to do? And what I just heard you talk about was that the closed price year over year is still higher, which means the housing appreciation is still happening. So if you got a CPI or consumer price index of 8.3%, but you still have appreciation of closed homes, it means that one of the best things you ever do in inflationary situation is to invest in commodities. And if you've got a home that while the list price might not be what the closed price is ratio wise, in that 30 to 60 day period, you still have appreciation year over year on the closed price, meaning as a consumer, investing in real estate is still a very positive thing for you because it's still appreciating and it's actually helping you fight some of your dollar, uh, your dollar buying power. Oh, sorry, I'm picturing this, but what am I trying to say here? It's basically that you've got the appreciation in one of the best assets you could ever have and you're fighting off your normal consumer staples. So you're actually trending in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to frame it. You know, it, it is certainly... Uh, in most cases, it's the biggest asset that people own, those uh, people that are homeowners. And we are not seeing prices, you know, tumble as we did, uh, you know, during the Great Recession and the housing bust of 08, 09. And so they are still rising in most cases in Virginia. And, uh, you know, we do expect that uh, that trend is going to continue, but it, it'll likely be a little more modest, a little more mild uh, in terms of a growth uh, in the coming year. So bringing up unit turnover, basically just having lack of inventory and then your price point appreciation. What are they sharing with you around new construction? Like what are builders saying for Virginia? Are they 
backlogged and they're actually going to provide units or are they saying like, hey, we're seeing a price go down and are they actually going to bring more units because of all places with land, you've got that ability to build in Virginia. So what are they seeing on that side? Yeah, that's a, a good question. I've been uh, speaking with uh, some folks at the Virginia uh, Home Builder Association as well as the National. And uh, it's pretty unanimous that, uh, you know, new construction of, of single family homes in particular has slowed down significantly in 2022. They are um, expecting this to continue into 2023 as well. A lot of factors here, you know, there are, you know, buyers that are getting priced out of the new home uh, price points. There continue to be uh, labor shortages, material uh, shortages, supply chain disruptions. There's a myriad of uh, factors that are kind of uh, headwinds that are facing the, the new construction sector. Um, and so those are still in place uh, along with these kind of rising interest rates. And so they've seen a slowdown in activity um, and uh, we, we expect that to continue into 23. And do you think that's because the builders are looking at their margin and saying that we're going to protect our margin and that's why we're slowing down on the supply to market to hopefully drive prices? Or is that solely a, hey, our building supplies have gone up so much that it doesn't make sense and we're waiting, we're waiting for those supply chain to come down because it's been bottled up from exporting out of China for so long? Well, I think, I mean, every builder kind of has their own balance sheet and their own uh, uh, strategy, but I would say that as demand cools, if there's fewer buyers coming to the model homes, there's going to be less appetite um, to just build things speculatively, uh, spec homes. And so it's really, I think, a matter of what is the pipeline of buyers looking like in the new home space compared to where it was, say, 2021, you know, when it was a very strong uh, buyer pipeline, you know, people were, you know, putting contracts in place, you know, with not expecting a home for the next year and a half, two years. Um, they're not seeing that nowadays. And so it's it's definitely a kind of a cooling uh, market situation, both on the existing side, but also on the new new home side. Yeah, no, the only reason I asked that question is I went through that personally with a new construction. In oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's just funny. Like, I think it, as as agents out there understand the contract of a new build, like they had 18 months to deliver on a on a house. They waited till they had six months left to deliver. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so why would they do that? You know, in any type of inflationary period, it's basically a bottleneck of supply. And mm -hmm. once the, whoever's issuing the supply realizes that, hey, I'm gonna flood the market with supply to get the price point, eventually supply catches up with demand and then the pricing comes down. So it was just one of those things that as I looked at new construction, yeah. are they holding the contracts longer because they're waiting for supply costs to come down, which bumps up their margin. But if interest rates continue to go, you make a very good point that the buyer demand's not there. And then all of a sudden you're making a speculative bet and maybe you've priced yourself out of right. multiple buyers. So that makes a lot of sense. So thank you. How long, uh, I'm curious, how long was your wait for the, in your situation? So, yeah, we, so Polte was my builder and I will give them a shout out. They did very good on the product and all that. Uh, I ratified in April of 2021 and they delivered June of, the end of June, 2022. Okay. Yeah. That seems faster than most that I've been hearing. Yeah. So just one of those things I looked at the contract and realized like, is that what they were trying to do? And maybe that's just me being a conspiracy theory about how they're trying to make margin on my bill. But <laughs> when you uh, wait nine yeah. months for something and then January one hits and all of a sudden they've got everything dug out and footers poured within like two weeks, you're like, huh, we couldn't yeah. do that sooner. <laughs> 
Yeah, there's a lot of disruptions going on in that space. So, you know, we I think it's good for awareness. I think one part of leadership and why this. So the whole idea of this podcast with entrepreneurial impact is that our real estate agents are 1099 contractors or small business owners. And when you look at anything in, in the U.S. economy is that entrepreneurs have been great at finding a gap in value or gap in service, saying there's a problem here. Let me go fix it. And then eventually get to a scale problem where they don't have enough capital. And that's where outside capital comes in that allows them to invest in scale and whatnot. So the, we have 4,300 real estate agents that are within the Keller Williams, Virginia's region. Uh, and the biggest part like that I would want to give them with you on the line is that, hey, inflation's there. You've got lower unit turnover. You've got somewhat higher price point. You've got interest rates going up. You've got buyer pools being blah, blah, blah. They're getting all of this negative feed from like the media of like, it's going to crash, going to crash. And you always see these videos from agents like, it's not going to crash. People don't have no doc loans and they don't have the fog of mirror and get qualified. Like they actually have to go through some due diligence with Fannie and Freddie now to get, to get approved. So like, where is the opportunity? Like entrepreneurs are great at finding like in the sea of darkness, where's the shining candle or the light that says, Hey, if I'm going to compete in these markets, these are the things that I think the opportunity is that lies in the next 24 months. Yeah, I think that there is certainly, um, you know, some some headwinds that are going to be fairly persistent here. We're, you know, we're entering a a period of uh, economic downturn, um, and you know, most uh, most out there are anticipating some form of a recession, either twenty twenty three and the twenty twenty four. The severity, you know, is still yet to be seen. But I think, uh, you know, as we're looking at this market, we get this all the time at Virginia Realtors. Um, you know, we go out and talk to folks all over Virginia, and uh, we hear a lot of fear about there out there about this idea of a, another kind of market crash, um, a la 2008. You know, when we stack those years side by side, you alluded to this credit standards much tighter today than they were in 2008. Uh, qualified buyers are getting loans now. That was not the case in 08. Subprime lending, basically a non-factor today. In 2008, it was widespread. And so we already had, if you think about it, trillions of dollars of risk baked into the housing market in 2008 globally. Today, we don't have that. Um, and another factor to look at is the, the inventory that's out there. In 2022, it's very hard to find a home. Uh, there's just not a lot of active listings. We talked about new construction slowing down. In 2008, it was an abundance of housing, abundance of listings. There were, you know, builders were building a lot of spec communities out there. So different uh, inventory situation. I think that that is important when we think about the price point, because it really does tend to insulate the price points um, where they are now. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is really the job situation now is a lot stronger than it was in 2008. Um, we were, you know, coming into the Great Recession. In 2008, people were losing their their jobs. Unemployment was going up. Today, we are still adding jobs. Unemployment is falling. And so both of these, when we look at these years side by side, it is pretty clear that it's a very different, fundamentally different year. So with that, I think that one thing to focus on is really looking at, you know, when you think about, um, I like to think about it sort of like an iceberg, and it's kind of this analogy is used a lot, but we we hear and we see about the part of the iceberg that's above the surface. There's all these things happening. There's inflation, there's 
you know, the war in Ukraine, there's all these market disruptions. But underneath the surface is the the large part of the iceberg. And to me, that is the pipeline of demand. The pipeline of demand is fundamentally, it's very large in Virginia. We have um, a very big segment of millennials in our state who are entering the prime home buying age. We hear about this a lot. You know, the kind of the late 20s, early 30s tends to be the uh, the prime age to buy a home historically. When we look at the data, though, um, millennials that are in this age range have a much lower home ownership rate than previous generations. Um, and so couple that with the fact that the baby boomers um, on the other side are a lot of them are looking to downsize. They're, they haven't been able to yet uh, is at the same rate that we might have thought they would. And so it's really if you look at these two generations, they're in. Um, they happen to be in parts of their life where there's big housing decisions being made, right? So you're buying your first home, maybe you're starting a family, you look at, look at the other side, you are an empty nester, you're looking to downsize. And so there's a lot of demand that's kind of naturally built into the housing market, um, irregardless of what economic headwinds are out there. And so I would focus on... Um, how can those clients, how can their needs be met? And, you know, whether it be coaching them through the process of this very competitive market, um, whether it be working with local stakeholders and expanding the housing supply, um, there's a lot of ways to kind of kind of go at this. But I think keeping that demand pipeline uh, in mind is going to be very important as we head into the next couple of years. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and everyone, could you speak on, um, going in the fact that like Powell is increasing the federal funds rate by like somewhere between 75 to hundred basis points. And you talked about hey, us going into a recession. I think it's important for people to understand is that the fed actually turns off the gas and then turns on the gas and their ability to pull us out of a recession has a lot to do with the fact that they can actually lower the federal funds rate when it's necessary to stimulate their economies. I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's keep rising, keeps rising. Well, they see all this growth like you just brought up for price appreciation and the past three years, but the ability to actually rein that back in and actually cause money to be cheaper to borrow and invest is actually one of our tools in the future so that we're not a situation like Japan. Yeah, they, I mean, it's a very powerful mechanism that they have, the Federal Reserve, the federal funds rate, which is, uh, you know, it's basically just an interest rate, a short-term interest rate that banks use to loan money to each other kind of overnight, keep the money flowing through our financial system. But um, but yeah, they have the ability to, to raise it, but they also have the ability to lower it. Um, we're not anticipating any lowering, you know, anytime soon um, because they really need to see that inflation number get down to their their target level of about 2%. You know, we're at 8.3%. We're well off of 2%. Um, but that is an important point that, you know, some sometime down the road, um, you know, this is, uh, everything is a cycle. And so there, there could be uh, a lowering of the rate eventually, but in the near term, at least we're, we're still anticipating uh, increases until, until we see that inflation number uh, start to tick down. And then, also uh, start to see the economy slow down. I think there's also an opportunity when you look at these like federal fund rates. One of the big parts, anybody listening, is that 
there's been a lot of businesses that have been propped up profitability-wise because of low borrow rates on capital. And what you really see is kind of like, and I guess you use the analogy of going swimming and when the tide goes out, who's got their pants down? Um, <laughs> because I think a lot of what I get really excited about this type of like shifting market is that there's a lot of people that were successful because they they weren't actually profitable like a core business because they were they either got PPP loans or they had such cheap capital to operate the business that as soon as you have upticks to like over 4% on the 10-year note, that now all of a sudden their debt service is too expensive to maintain profit, which means you've got people that shouldn't be in business that will eventually be basically will have to shut down and go into some other form and fashion, which allows the real operators and the experts in real estate to really take their unfair share of market of the market share that they've got. And I think that's also another, like, if you look at a silver lining, like I hate for anybody to go down, but a lot of people's pure business models weren't actually sustainable because they didn't factor in an actual like real life borrow rate. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to speculate on that, but I, I would say that, you know, as the federal funds rate goes up, you know, it's not, we talk about mortgage rates all the time. We talk about that, but it's all, all, all components of borrowing, including business lending. And so I think as a, that rate goes up, as it becomes more expensive for businesses to lend, um, you will see kind of a slowdown in growth uh, in businesses and small businesses and large businesses. And so I think it's a real possibility that we could see, you know, a, a, an uptick in unemployment here in the coming year, um, you know, fewer fewer jobs and expansion ex expansion mode shifting into a contraction mode when we think about businesses and and how they're growing. But I think it... It during during times of contraction is really where you see uh, sort of where where the the growth is going to be more persistent, where it's going to survive um, uh, going forward. It makes a ton of sense. Sorry, I just went on a like random tangent of like. No, it's I, it. I mean, it's like, yeah. cost of capital. Like, if you just look at what cost of capital does, even on just an interest thing, an interest just interest payment alone, if you double that interest payment, like, how much does that take away from? your excess capital for reinvestment or for payroll or other things you need necessary to expand. I think now more than ever it's saying like cut all your expenses, try to pay down debt and then be able to weather the storm. Yeah. It's certainly going to, going to impact a lot of businesses, small businesses in particular. Um, and so I think that'll be definitely something to keep an eye on as we think about the local markets. Final question for you, Ryan, what, what are you guys talking about at the, uh, the Virginia Association of Realtors level in regards to the forecast for the next like 24 months. Like what, what's the indicators? What do they think is going to go on? Like kind of drop those nuggets for everybody listening. Yeah, definitely. So we, uh, we released a forecast annually uh, and we just released it in the, at the end of last month, uh, end of September. And uh, Virginia is on track actually to have the sharpest slowdown in sales activity in 2022. When we think about annual, annual sales, Sharpest mm -hmm. slowdown in a decade, 2022. And so we're looking at about almost 16% drop in, in sales, closed sales. Next year, we're we're not expecting it to rebound. Now we're actually expecting it to go even lower, um, about 2.5% drop in sales activity uh, in 2023 compared to 2022. Gotcha. Now, one of the reasons why 2022 is so uh, severe in terms of the drop is because we're comparing it to 2021, right? Which is was a record year by many measures, and so we uh, are expecting the slowdown to to linger, you know, through 2023. 
When we think about prices, though, um, and we kind of touched on this earlier, we're on track to have about a 7% increase on the median sales price here statewide. That's an annual number in 2022. For context, you know, for those uh, who have been in the market a long time in the business, you know, three, four percent is more typical of an annual price growth. Um, so seven percent is still a pretty aggressive price growth that we're still uh, seeing. Now, 2023, we're expecting this to cool off a bit more down to more typical levels. Uh, we're forecasting about 2.9 percent growth in the median sales price. Again, that's all across Virginia. So that's the median statewide. In terms of uh, the housing starts, we're expecting 2022 to be about three percent lower in terms of uh, the net number of housing starts than last year. And then 23, we're expecting about 3.6% fewer housing starts than last year. So if I was to take anything, anybody listening, the takeaway there is that even though unit sales are going down, they're still expecting price appreciation to go up by 7%. So if you're looking at a hedge and saying like why real estate is important in your just overall financial world, it's that the one thing that we can point to is that price appreciation will still happen on the home. Like, and that's really important for consumers and agents and how you look at where do you put your money and where do you actually invest in? And I think it's really powerful. Yeah, it is certainly. And the 7%, just to clarify, was for this year, 2022. Okay. And so next year, we're looking at a 2.9, somewhere in that, that ballpark. Uh, so much slower, but still growth. Now, mm -hmm. you know, there are going to be pockets. There's always, you know, real estate's local. There's going to be pockets that have a little bit more of a price correction. You know, think about the places that had a lot of second home purchases during the pandemic, places that, uh, you know, a little more remote, um, had a surge in activity. Um, but by and large, we're expecting uh, relatively uh, kind of modest price growth in 2023 uh, for most markets in Virginia. So it sounds like we're actually going to go back to normalcy of like 2018, 2019, except you know, it's funny when you, if, I love charts, Joe. I mean, I look at charts all day. And it's it's eerie how uh, when you look at the bar charts, the bars are, you know, almost at the 2019, 2018 levels, you know, it's sort of uh, a bit of a return to normalcy. And then you but uh, on top of that, we also have uh, pretty significant economic headwinds uh, in the mix as well. But from a purely market housing market perspective, yeah, we're kind of returning to more of a normal seasonal uh, cycle in the in the housing market. Gotcha. Well, hey, Ryan, I just want to say thank you for your time today. It's been really insightful to have you on here, go through some numbers, and I just want to say appreciate it. Uh, and anything else you want to say to just kind of wrap up today? Uh, no, definitely. Uh, you know, we actually have our own podcast as well. Give a shout out to Rooflines, Virginia Realtors podcast. So anybody out there who wants to hear more uh, about this, uh, definitely check it out. Last thing I'll mention, if you're a, a data person, you know, I dive into the uh, monthly stats every about the third Thursday of every month, Facebook Live. Uh, check us out, Virginia Realtors Facebook page. Um, and that's about it. But yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me, Joe. It's great. Uh, great chat oh, with you. More more. Uh, just I couldn't be more appreciative of having you on here. Just like somebody else that can freak out on numbers and actually carry it. Uh, so <laughs> thank you, Ryan, for bringing liveliness to a numbers conversation. Absolutely. And, uh, those of you tuned in, thank you for tuning in this week. We're going to have a new episode next week with Entrepreneur Impact. So Joe Martin, one of your hosts, Dave Donaldson as well. Have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week.